growth will, should return at 1% or 2 or 3%. Why? Because the investment in breeding of animals and grasses and in education and in skill level and in all of the things that have happened in the past will provide small, not big, small productivity improvements. Hello, I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, in part two of our conversation with David Becker, we discuss the rise in global demand for milk and the scope of milk producing nations to meet this demand. Firstly, what it's worth considering is that the international, well, international markets require very often over time or somewhere between a one and a three percent increase in international milk supply. Um, so that's somewhere within the, that area is where the demand has been has been increasing, and, and there's no sign that that's going to change. And um, which is a real positive. I mean, dairy is extraordinary product. Um, it will remain in, in essential demand if you if you when you look at the what what <laughs> dairy products provide. Um, and the one to three percent depends you know, on on economic conditions around the world. Whether there's uh, and right now, I guess we've we've we're going into a period when 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 things are a bit tougher. So maybe demand will will, will, will fall down towards that one percent, and then and then 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 will lift. And it's how we match supply to that, which is is worth uh, often considering. And certainly, I'm, I'm a big big believer that uh, it's really healthy uh, and useful often to look outside your country or, or really it's outside outside the farm gate was was obviously a really good thing to to compare with other farmers outside the country is important because it, it's very easy to become insular and think there's something wrong or right going and and it's not and when you look outside it, it can really help from that point of view so um you know if i look at uh, um at at irish the irish Growth over in milk supply over the last um, uh, twenty odd years. I, I could actually say, you know, it's very clear that it was very flat and restricted while quotas were there. It had been for some time, uh, and then you've had this great burst, which uh, which you know, I could say has, has allowed you to catch up with a few countries, go past a few, um, and uh, maybe it's got some analogies with your rugby as well. So you know, you've. Uh, you know, New Zealand's got a great record of growing, um, and uh, and there's a sign that having lagged the, the Kiwis for uh, the best part of the first ten years, that in the last ten years you've 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 effectively closed a lot of the growth. So if we look at your compound annual growth of your milk supply over that period, you know the the average is now quite similar to to, to New Zealand and some other countries like Uruguay that's grown very well, and 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 those South Africans who. Then we won that rugby uh, trophy that was up for grabs a short while ago. Um, they have a great record also of growing their, their milk milk supply, and and those countries, you know, give or take a bit, with you now as well, have this very good record. Um, other countries are not nearly as good. Uh, Argentina and and the UK, and um, and there's probably examples of of. Uh, of reasons, um, and there's always there often many and varied, but both those countries certainly haven't uh, had the conditions for growth economically, and/or say with the UK, it would appear the focus on producing low-cost 
milk. They've produced generally gone the high cost range, and and so post the loss of quota, their their growth in their industries, in my view, very would be very disappointing, and and that's. And the, the, the growth rates will always be linked to economics. It can't be any other thing. A profitable industry that's not arbitrarily restricted from growth is, is always going to grow, and an unprofitable one won't. And unfortunately, I'm getting around to saying that Australia's the laggard, just like our rugby, it seems. Um, so that uh, by adopting uh, production systems, high focus on cow production and a high adoption of higher concentrate and, and supplemented forage feeding rates. Um, cost of production is now no longer internationally competitive, and it means over the last 23-odd years, we have consistently reduced national milk supply, which is a sadness and a disaster, really, for the country, and it's no sign that's changing. So it's a salient lesson for what happens when you know, farmers adopt uh, the, the uh, unprofitable or, or high-cost systems. And provably, when we look at milk price for Australia, it's been more than competitive over that entire period. And although we uh, some people look at Australia and say, yes, but you've had the odd drought, well, yes, that's absolutely true. As we have for the last, like, two or three or 4,000 years, no sign of change. Um, we've had some tougher ones in the last 30 years, and we've had, but a lot of it's not inconsistent. So so that's the growth. What's inter- I guess one of the interesting challenges now is that most of those countries have flattened their growth in the last three or four or five years. Um, your case could be flattening because of regulate- potential regu- regulatory impact. Um, uh, New Zealand as well, I guess, is, 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 is you'd say, very different uh, rigor around regulation. But again, um, they, they are not seeing the same, same growth. And, and so we've actually got a flattened uh, supply curve. Um, um, we, 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 we have had some countries like China, for instance, who were huge importers are now uh, producing a, a higher proportion of their own milk, so their demand more recently has decreased. The U.S. continues to grow consistently. So there's a, there's a whole mixed bag and and where we are now. And, and and let's look at that a little bit, David. You know, you talk about the growth is consistently one to three percent, but we are in the situation. And I mean, it's it anyone listening is is well aware that you know we we're potentially petering off in Ireland due to regulation. So where is that one to three percent going to come from? Might not be able to answer very specifically exactly where, but I'll, 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 I will suggest very strongly it will come because there's a demand for it. Um, and one way or another, there will be people in countries, farmers in countries that will want to meet the demand. Obviously, if, if some of the traditional uh, contributors to that demand contribute less, uh, then, of course, one thing that happened is milk price could get, would go up as a result if if, if there's a mismatch of, of supply and demand, and that will only encourage farmers in some other places. Uh, it'll be more profitable for them to take up the difference. I, I think um, at the moment, you know, there's, the U.S. looks like it. It's it's extraordinary, and when you look at its industry, is how consistent it's the most consistent country in the, on the planet for increasing milk supply. We keep hearing about, yes, but they're under pressure and it's a bit less or a bit more, but when you look at actually what they produce, it's, it's extraordinary. Again, there's some positives in a confinement system from being able to 
plan and consistently produce milk when you're not exposed to the weather. And they are extremely good at securing productivity improvements. And and so even when even though many people in New Zealand, I know here as well, are now concerned with all the regulation, will you be able to continue to produce more milk? I have a different view to many in that when countries like Ireland and New Zealand settle on new regulation, ho- hopefully uh, still in a in a satisfactory way. I know it's there's a lot, lot of emotion and a lot of concern around that at the moment. But once it's settled, one shouldn't ignore the, the most fundamental reason why milk supply and everything else grows, and that is once, if you had settled regulations, then growth will, should return at 1% or 2% or 3%. Why? Because the investment in breeding of animals and grasses and in education and in skill level and in all of the things that have happened in the past will provide small, not big, small productivity improvements. Do everything the same, but the grass grows a little bit more because the breeders have improved the breeding. Feed and do everything the same, but the cows produce a little bit more. And remember, although we live in a time when suddenly inflation's great, on average, again, a bit like an industry, what farmers need is to secure probably... Again, only one or maybe two to three percent productivity improvements every year to uh, maintain their present profitability. Milk price should would logically keep going up a little in absolute terms, but maybe not in, in inflation adjusted terms to counter. But all of this to counter inflation. So it's very easy to to, to take a a very uh, you know, uh, negative view about where this would come. So, so I, I see Ireland returning sooner or later to some growth. You initially may have to drop a little bit of milk to stick within regulations, and once that's clear, you should go back to growth. I, I know Fonterra in New Zealand says they've seen peak milk. Uh, how I would see it is they may come back a little bit. They are struggling at the moment until their regulation is settled. In, in some way, and then they will go back to growth only because, unless we say the scientists and all the support people and the farmers never get better, and, and history says there's always small, there's small rooms for improving. So I still expect to see that sort of growth, and there's enough places around the world that aren't producing a lot of milk for the international market that if it's not coming from elsewhere, it'll it'll come. And and bring us back to the US. You talk about their ability to grow. Um, you know, what is their export scene like? So see, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, country from that point of view. And that when we look at the cost of first, if we look at cost of production for any confinement or feedlot industry, uh, where animals are permanently housed, compared to any industry even when only 30 or 40% of pasture is in the diet. If the cows are walking to pasture for a proportion of their feed for some of the year, you're pasture-based. Um, confinement, even in a country as good and as low cost for confinement as America, cannot compete with the cost of production from pasture-based countries. That is very, very clear. Um, and that's and, and yeah, US is the best at confinement. One, they're extru- on average some of the best business people in dairying, but they also have the 
consistently some of the lowest cost maize silage is one feed, the lowest cost and good quality alfalfa or lucerne, and comparatively low cost grain. So, and they still can't compete. They can't nowhere near Ireland's cost of production or, or New Zealand's. And and even us Australians who have got pretty poor at this, they 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 still is more. So, so there's this interesting concept that the the, the US. There were two really big shifts in the international dairy, uh, international dairy market between about 2007 and 2012. One was the US, and they went from being having very low export volumes to becoming one of the biggest exporters in the world, and they export 15 17% of their annual volume. And the other big change was China went from being, in a, I'll call it an irrelevancy in, in, in the dairy market, to becoming a huge importer. And over that period, it changed international dairy markets forever for everybody. It, there used to be an Oceania milk price, a lower one for, the, for us in, in the Southern Hemisphere compared to the nor- Northern Hemisphere in Europe. It, that disappeared. It flattened the international market, dairy market, which is a challenge for everybody, including the EU, including, including Ireland. And it, the premiums that the EU and you guys got here and all domestic markets received disappeared. So it's a very much more an even playing field unless you're a country that locks uh, foreign dairy products out of the market, and that's that's not you and not, not Australia or not most countries. So... But the interesting thing, going back to the cost of production of the U.S., it actually means for every extra kilo or ton they export, they average down their milk price to a potentially lower price than the bulk of their industry can profitably produce milk at. So although if you look at the uh, their performance over the last 20, 30 years, it looks like they'll just keep on going and keep producing more milk, they will struggle uh, economically to produce significantly more proportion of their volume for the international market. So in this case, I'm almost saying even America, which looks like it could contribute, uh, will do in my view. And if milk price goes up anyway, then that will help. But none of the stories simple, you could say. It's just uh, what will happen is that milk will come in my view. That's There's a demand for it. It's a fantastic product. Um, You've got to Back, you got you got to say that the last four hundred years or millennium of time is some, somehow is going to be different to not say the markets will not are demanding it and we will not supply it. For me, I'm um, um, I'm on the side of hoping that Ireland is a big part of the future story. Not that you're nowhere near peak milk at the moment. For me, for your country, that'd be a that'd be very sad, a tragedy. I always talk about so many countries only having certain things that they are genuinely internationally competitive about. I can joke about my country of birth, but not my country of choice, New Zealand. But the only thing they're good at is, is dairy. Dairying is their entire, effectively their entire, you know, dominates their future. And they are hurting their future when they say we're not going to continue to work at producing more milk. And and what's undoubted is, 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 is obviously there's a range of things Irish, Irish do well, but dairy farming, pasture-based farming, and dairy farming in particular, exceptionally good at And to decide that the country won't, uh, won't be developing and designing a future to encourage that industry to continue to grow is actually to, um, in my view, reduce... Uh, or limit the future of the country, and it's, it'll be a pity if, if that's the case. Um, I'm, if I'm looking ten or fifteen years ahead, I'm hoping that Ireland, Ireland will be a big part of the story of continuing um, to produce this extraordinary product for the world market. 
And it's, it is very refreshing to hear that. And, and, you know, in a lot of ways, when you talk to a group of farmers, it is often a downbeat conversation at the moment. Like, you know, there are challenges in, in relation to, you know, costs and milk price. But there's also, um, I suppose, a narrative that we're doing a really bad job and we're really damaging the environment while, you know, every effort has been made to be better. Um, and we acknowledge that there are some some problems to be fixed, but it, it is nice to hear that. And, and, and hopefully, you know, we will continue to prosper as a, a dairy producing nation. I suppose if, if we um, look specifically then um, at Ireland um, and our production system, if there was a key strength and a, a, I suppose an area for improvement that you could pick out, um, you know, I suppose uh, something we're doing well to pat us on the back and then and by the same token, then something um, to give us a kick up the ass and say, you, you need to work better on this, guys. OK, that's uh, for me, that's a simple question this, this time. So. <laughs> Um, because the pasture production and, and the production system, despite the, some challenges around, is there some production system drift, you, the, the industry's in a phenomenally good position. Um, I'm, I'm so impressed. Uh, um, uh, I was anyway, but, but it's been fantastic to have the opportunity to come here, and it's, I'm so impressed with the with the, uh, the, the focus uh, around um, low cost of production systems, the drive for pasture. I, and, and talking with uh, the people, including uh, within your the whole research and support, and then also um, out on farm. I mean, it's, uh, I'll, I can give a big pat on the back. I think it's, uh, it, as good as anywhere in the world, if not second to none. It's really exceptional. So here's the kick in the bum. <laughs> and that's that uh, despite that, the wonderful focus and the clarity and concept of how to make money, the, the, there's, if there's a weakness, it's around uh, business and, and analyzing business performance and focusing on robust calculation of the important ratios that support uh, all the discussion. So so in this case, even the methodology and the regularity that pasture harvest and pasture percentage of the diet, these key things are done, is not uh, not nearly as strong as it, it could be. And, it, and, it, and the positive being it wouldn't be difficult to to uh, with a bit of focus to to improve that and the and then linked to that is the is is a uh, there's lots and lots of room on this uh financial and physical business analysis performance it's actually um i guess it is i i feel it is actually a weakness it's definitely a weakness um and it would be and some of the pieces of the puzzle are almost in place, but uh, but, but uh, yes, I, I don't want to kick uh, too hard. But but if, if some of the farmers here went to a place, one of the best places to go if you want to see how empowering business analysis and when farmers have this information, the fingertips is funny enough. South Africa, they're not bad at their rugby either, unfortunately. Um, and it that. Uh, you go on most farms there with the farmers, and they will drop in front of you openly a, a full business analysis and want to know, you know, and then want to discuss it with you. And and here it's there's there's not a lot of evidence that the sort of analysis that I've, I I would have completed 
uh, and never worked without for 30 years on any farm in any country, um, I'm not not seeing much evidence of here. So that's the that's the challenge. I think the opportunity, we'll call it. Yeah, and then that is like you I mean you know a weakness or a, an area of challenge. That there is so much opportunity in that, and and it, it's funny when I think about what you're saying. Um, we're very comfortable with grass and, and cows. You know, we can grow and utilize grass. We, ha- you know, we can keep animals healthy, get cows and calf, um, you know, calf cows in the spring and get them back into milk. These are all things we're, we're really good at. And, you know, when you think about it, then it is to step outside that comfort zone and, and educate ourselves and become familiar on yep. the yep. the financial side. No, it, it is. Uh, I'm, what, what, one thing I, I also feel from, a, from, a, from my time here is that it's a, it's actually the right time and a very important time. Um, I'd be encouraging the industry to really do something about this and, and focus on how to develop it because um, what actually happens is because the underlying core concepts are embedded in, in the d- discussions in Ireland, this is the positives and everything uh, that I hear being talked about and done, even if not everyone agrees, but they're embedded in, in how people discuss things. You could say, well, that's good, and is that all we need to do? And 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 what you learn in any business or in, in any of these situations is that that core belief and understanding works fine until there's change. And when you're forced to change, you haven't got the foundation without that business analysis to understand how to respond. And, of course, you guys are being forced to change. All the regulation and all these things mean suddenly it's, so what do we, so what, how do we respond to this? And that's what's so noticeable is without that, without that analysis, there's lots of discussions that uh, that I that, that even I've been semi part of already, which lack the information on which to even make decisions. In other words, people are just saying, "Well, maybe we should do, or could we do this?" As opposed to, if we analyze it this way, we'll know. So I think it's a it's a great time for the industry to be thinking hard about whether this should be a, a, a big focus of, of trying to embed more of this on the business because I think you're going to really need it and actually there's going to be some farmers who are going to suffer otherwise because, uh, because say, you're being forced to change some of your systems and there's not this foundation for making uh, good decisions. You may have to learn a lot by your mistake and that, or mistakes and that's never the, the best way to learn because it takes time and you, you lose some money along the way. That's great. Thank you, David. Pleasure. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to David Becker for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and listen on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and join us next time for your Dairy Edge.